0: Welcome to Vicious Talk with Benny P. Episode 50 is going to be a good one today. We got my good friend coming on to the podcast, an old friend of mine. We're excited to catch up after what's been a really long time between the two of us. And we haven't been able to speak yet for a little while, just for the nature of uh, we both went off to college and, and did some traveling and, and whatnot. But my guest today, he's a graduate from the University of Redlands, where he received his bachelor's of science degree in business administration and management. We both attended Loyola High School in Los Angeles together, where he graduated in 2011 i was 2012 we grew up playing a lot of baseball together and today's guest is someone our coach my dad mike perez on the montebello stars often considers his favorite player he ever coached he's currently working as a marketing assistant at emico and i'm excited to bring on to the podcast today on vicious talk my good friend connor hancock welcome to the podcast buddy Thanks, Ben. How are you doing? Dude, I'm been, I'm excellent. I'm happy to see your face, dude, because it's been quite a, a while between the two of us. I mean, we were such good friends playing so much baseball together. And really, the sport of baseball is what we're going to kick off here um, on the podcast because... <gasps> really the nature of growing up and playing a sport like that. And and you and I shared so many games together. We were on the same team at the Montebello stars for so long. And we really witnessed each other's journeys and and growth in the sport. And I think that was, you and I had a really good bond in, in that sense where we really just spent so much time together at the ball field and we developed a really good relationship. And it's been what, like four years, we were saying about right about since we last kind of saw each other.
1: So happy to catch up here. Yeah, totally. I was thinking about this yesterday. I think I was trying to think of when the first time I actually started playing on the stars and wasn't it? Because remember, I think I was a freshman. I, I remember. Say. I remember right? 100%. Yeah, you were a freshman. I was, I was a freshman. And I was school. an eighth grader in high school. Yes. middle school. Yes. And Matthew <laughs> Vallejo, too. Remember, both of us yeah. played. And I remember it was like we were the young ones, right? And then it yep. was all the seniors at Loyola that were playing on the team, too. And it was just like we literally beat everyone so easily. It was so much fun. And then, yeah, that actually progressed, I think, until like freshman year in college. So, yeah, yeah that's crazy to think about, actually. It's been right. like, what is that, like five years playing on the stars? So, right. yeah. Great memories. We,
0: uh, yeah, dude. My dad loves to talk about how much you improved on the Montebello Stars, and, and he doesn't. He doesn't take as much credit for it as much as I mean. He he gives you all the credit with all the hard work and whatnot you put in. You really changed your physical, like your physical abilities, and you put in the work and you spent a lot of time in the sport. But it was really cool to see. How much, because when you first came on the Stars, like you said, you were a freshman, you were pretty skinny. And sometimes like you weren't taking the best, like the hardest swings at the plate. And sometimes you looked a little lost at the plate. And even like Matty Vallejo would sometimes get a hit before we did, you know. So, (laughs) But and then by the end of it, like you were the best player on the team and you were hitting home runs
1: and you were batting third in almost every lineup, you know. So it was really cool to see, you know. You know, that's so funny because I actually haven't thought about that in so long that right. Do that's you so that? true. Because you... I actually I wore I remember I had the glasses, right? Because yeah, I didn't the have goggles. Contacts, you yes. Had goggles. And yes. And so you guys would make fun of me for having <laughs> yeah, you call them the goggles. I had these they were basically like sports glasses that they turned into sunglasses in the sun. And yeah, it made it so hard to see. You know, you have like no peripheral vision really with those. And so I I had trouble hitting. And I would say like once I switched over to contacts. I think that was my sophomore year in high school. That's when I started to like really pick up Definitely. on hitting. Oh yeah. Your sophomore yeah, that, year, so your funny. freshman to
0: sophomore year jump was, it was huge. I mean, you, you were ready to play on the varsity team, but like, basically by your sophomore year, I mean, you were hitting, you were hitting bombs and you, like the complete transformation of your swing was just, it
1: was the sight to see, you know? Yeah, but, that was, that was, those are <laughs> really good times. I didn't even, that's so funny thinking about that. I didn't right? even, wow. I know it feels like so
0: long ago and the history of the Montebello stars is what we could start off with because really I give a lot of credit to my playing experiences and my enjoyment in the sport to the Montebello stars organization. And I mean, am I wrong in
1: saying that you would probably do the same? Yeah. Those are some of my probably favorite memories. Cause I played baseball for what was it like almost 20 years? I think I played 19 years. I started when I was four and yeah. So those, those memories playing on the stars are some of my favorite memories. And it was just such a different experience than playing on other teams because I really felt like it was such a community. And I think your, your, your dad played on it, right? Your grandpa yes, started exactly. it back. Yeah. In, he started in like it the eighties back back in the old days, the 1980s. That's crazy. And then, yeah. And so like to have or it go from there, have it there and then to like where we were playing. And then a constantly having like new people, you know, coming through and like you'd see old faces. And the team was pretty big, too. That was another thing, right? It wasn't yeah. like it was just well, like... What was funny is we would get like... We would have like games where we
0: were struggling to get nine guys and struggling to get an arm to pitch. And then we would have other games, other games where we would have
1: like 18 guys and we would yeah, have those. I stacked. hate those games yeah. because your dad actually, like which was cool, right? But everyone would hit. It's not like it because like traditionally you only have your nine players hit in baseball, but your dad would let everyone hit. So, yeah, there could be like 20, you know, 20 something guys sometimes and they all all have to go through the lineup. And so sometimes you'd get two, like you said, you get like two or three at bats, three at bats, if you were lucky. And then other times, like you said, there'd be like seven or eight, nine guys. That's all we had. And we had to like figure out, we'd just roll it out there and, you know, have to figure out who's going to pitch and things right. like that. So guys like Zach, my brother, pitching. in. Oh, yes. like, I remember
0: CJ would pitch occasionally. Like those were the desperate times. D- dude, Jacob but, Ramirez, remember that?
1: They did pretty good too. Like Zach, I, he had the e I remember we would always <laughs> talk about. And yeah, no, that was, oh, that was a lot of fun. Right.
0: I mean, just the, that's just what I love most about the sport of baseball and youth sports in general is like the friendships you develop and the experiences you have and and literally the learning lessons you experience through oh. through it you know through the sport learning about kind of discipline and hard work and friendship and teamwork and you know just professionalism and, and taking account for basically your hard work should be reflected on the field. And, and, you know, if you're not playing well, you got to be putting the work in and off the field, you know? So those kind of learning lessons, I mean, there's, there's, we could go on for hours in terms of things you could learn from youth sports, but I felt like we, we really grew. The two of us really grew in the Montebello stars
1: organization. And so that's, I think the best place to start on this podcast, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like you said, I think playing sports, not just baseball, but any sport, really, if you play that growing up, that gives you so many life lessons that you learn from and things that'll help you. I know you wanted to go into a little bit about careers and stuff, playing sports, playing baseball, my whole life, that like it's given me so many qualities that have helped me in my career. And it just, I think the mentality of athletes is just so different than maybe someone that never played sports growing up. And so when you have like an athlete in a, in a profession versus someone that didn't play sports. It's just the mindset's totally different. Yeah. Do you remember anything, do you have like a specific memory you could think of from the Montebello stars oh, that like could bring? <laughs> yeah, I was I was thinking something. about this yesterday too. Um, <laughs> definitely, I just, I think in general, I just remember always talking like that was my favorite part was just i didn't even sometimes i didn't even want to play right you like you just want to sit in the (laughs) the dugout and you know talk to talk to the other players talk to like mike talk to the other coaches and that was like the most fun part sometimes was just like you know talking to people and like talking about whatever um well this is why you are my dad's favorite player because my you know how much my dad loves to talk (laughs) yeah no it was oh dude and then i i mondo of course like remembering the yeah Vicious. I mean, Vicious, the Vicious podcast, right? It's in the name, but like, that's, that's what he would always tell me. And you mentioned that earlier when I was younger, how I wasn't as aggressive, like hitting. And sometimes it would be like, what is he doing? And that's something Mondo, I would just remember like be vicious. And he'd go like the vroom, the vroom, you hit, right? He'd like make the hitting motion and he'd go the vroom. And yeah. So just, oh man, a lot of, a lot of really good times. Whittier (laughs) definitely like playing at Whittier that stands out. Um, cause we, I, I think we used to play at Whittier college a lot, so yeah, I was more towards like, you know, I was when we started to play some good teams and we were having some good, we were playing a good, we were a good team ourselves, you know, we, and we had a kind of a well-rounded, I thought roster at that point. <sighs> Yeah, no, definitely. I, I'm trying to think too if I still, I want to, I wonder, I think I still have the uniform and everything too, like oh, I the, do. the shirt. Yeah, yeah, I do. And remember two of the old school uniforms where it was actually more of like a jersey, whereas <laughs> yeah. like the newer ones was just like a kind of a t shirt. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I miss those. Those were, those were, sick. <laughs> oh, there goes the dog. I don't know if you can hear that. But yeah, so, uh, that was, yeah, that was a ton of fun. A lot of good memories. Definitely. Yeah. I've been
0: considering like my grandfather, He he's getting up there in age and uh, he's he's starting to lose a little bit of a sharpness with his, with his mental, his mental side. He, he worries about his, his uh, memory and stuff like that. And you could kind of sense it. And I mean, it, while, while I've like really cherished my memories with my grandfather and like, especially in the sport of baseball specifically, um, I've been considering like, putting together like a podcast where we just kind of what the stars meant to people. Cause the stars in general started from my grandfather and he, he really like impacted a lot of people through this organization. And, um, that's why I was like, I was happy to bring you on because you specifically, I feel like really grew in this, in, in the Montebello stars. And you really grew with the people around the organization of what we were playing with. And I think that, I'm going to be taking like a a snippet of this and including it into like an episode attributed to like the stars and like my grandfather, because I think that it's just, it's, it's something, it's a story, honestly, that I'm looking forward to kind of diving further into and kind of understanding, like, because I brought my grandfather on for the first episode of this podcast, but like, I remember I listened to it. Yeah. I mean, people, people, all around Southern California and even further in some spaces, like really like know who the Montebello stars were and like really like just credit my grandfather and the organization for so much of their youth and like their, their experiences in baseball. And I, for you and me both, I think we can greatly
1: attribute to that kind of the same kind of mindset and experiences that we, we had ourselves. Yeah, that's a great idea. That'd be cool to do a podcast and you can get like, you know, a bunch of people that played and kind of what the, exactly. that experience that's meant my, to them. That's my idea for it. Yeah. Because you have to remember, I think like the, the thing that the stars did most for me is it just gave me like confidence in baseball because like I actually, I got cut from the high school team at Loyola when I was a junior. So I didn't have... Like I played in another league, but I, I, it was just like the stars. And then that other, league like I was playing in, right. And so like, when you're, when you get cut and then you're thinking like, Oh, am I good enough? And you're questioning. And then like, you're having success and you're having encouragement from these coaches and that's another thing like not just mike and mondo but like all the coaching stuff right they were all like amazing yeah tons of fun I, playing for i them. remember remember i remember fondly john
0: carswell kevin carswell's father and he he's passed away since he had he had cancer and i i, I remember that really I, I really hurt took that hard because he like you said the coaches on that on that staff were just such always a pleasure to be around
1: Yeah. Yeah. The absolute best. Some of my favorite coaches too, definitely that I've ever played for. So yeah. Overall, awesome experience. I would definitely encourage you to yeah do that podcast. That sounds like an awesome idea.
0: Yeah. That's what my, I'm, I'm excited to kind of try to get that going because my, actually I was thinking about it for my grandfather. His birthday is in January. So I was thinking about trying to do something with him for that. Yeah. Yeah. It should Should be fun. Um, So Connor, Let's um let's talk about the kind of the the ending stages of of yours and I baseball careers. And so let me ask you, what you played baseball at Redlands. So you worked your ass off in high school. You got you were like you. I remember by the time you were going to college, you were ready to play. And you made the team at Redlands University, of Redlands. And talk to me about that experience. Tell me like how that kind of went out. And then talk talk to me about how you transitioned out 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 of that when it was time to kind of uh, when you graduated from the school and everything. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So, uh, long story short, um, like I said, I got cut in high school from the, from the Loyola baseball team. So, um, after that happened, I really just kind of like lit a fire under me and I really wanted to prove the coach wrong that I should have made the team. And so I, my goal became to become a professional baseball player and that's what I really wanted to do. And so, um, in high school, I didn't get much, like many looks about recruitment wise. And so I just wanted to go to a college that I thought I could play baseball at. And so, um, the university of raillands ended up being the place I, uh, I tried out and I made the team, um, started all four years, had success was an all conference player. And, uh, A lot of bad luck though, along the way, a lot of injuries and things like that. Yeah. You had some injuries later in your career there, huh? Yeah. Like every year, dude, it was something. So it was just a lot of bad luck. I don't know if you, you know, you're the type of person or anyone listening is like you believe in signs of the universe. Like everything happens for a reason. Right. But based on like everything that happened, it would seem that, you know, I wasn't meant to play baseball. And so, um, After I graduated from college, I was still looking to potentially continue to play, but I was also dealing with an injury that wouldn't go away. I had hamstring problems the last two years in college, so... (laughs) Eventually I had to decide uh that I wasn't going to pursue baseball anymore because I just wasn't getting better. I had done physical therapy for like 4 months and it like wasn't getting any Been better. There. So Then there. <laughs> yeah, I know. I remember your shoulder, right? <laughs> my shoulder and my elbow. Yeah, just yeah, so that journey sucks. sucks. Yeah, so it 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 didn't work out and then at that point, right, I've graduated from college. Um I think it was October of 2015 at that point. So I graduated in May. And I'm sure like you can relate my whole life sports was baseball. Mm -hmm. And so that was my identity. And then I didn't really do anything else. I didn't really prepare for the real world. I didn't really prepare for like what career I wanted to do. I didn't really even know what I wanted to do. I just ended up getting a business administration degree because I thought that was the best thing. Unlike a lot of people these days, but <laughs> I actually got, I got a degree. Like I knew it would be useful, right? But I didn't necessarily want to do anything business-wise. And so I graduated and baseball didn't work out and I had no prospects, no job prospects. And so I was just kind of lost for a while. Yeah, dude, I think there's a lot to be taken
0: away from those kinds of experiences because one you experience, a a, a really something that a lot of people I know. And a lot of people I, I don't know are going through is they got cut from a sport that they were super passionate about in high school. Mm-hmm. And you, I mean, I was one of them in high school and I actually didn't even end up playing at Loyola and, um, really like it's important if you're passionate about something like baseball or anything really in life like don't let someone like cutting you from your high school your high school sport team or like telling you you're not good enough like that's just one person and, and you know if you're really passionate enough about it you're going to put the work in it. and i think that's what you and honestly i mean i i, I pat myself on the back because i almost made the t- i had a similar experience where i wasn't i didn't play high school ball so i wasn't recruited and i went to holy cross work just because it was a good school and i had an opportunity to possibly walk onto the team but Mm -hmm. i ended up my sophomore year coming into sophomore year i played really well on the stars that that was the last year we were together Mm -hmm. and i ended up I, i was going to make the team my sophomore season but they brought in like 14 or 15 freshmen that year at Holy cross. And so they didn't have a roster spot for me. And the coach wants to go ask the, the athletic director to add a roster spot for me, but because of the, the title nine obligations for the school, they couldn't add an extra male athlete. That was what I was told at least. So <laughs> I know it was, it's like, so there's just so many obstacles. The point is to like that you, you and I have overcome. And I think there's a lot to be taken away from one, like pursue everything you're passionate about and, and work your ass off to get there if you want. It. You know, it. If you mm-hmm. want it hard enough, you're going to work your ass off to get it. And then two is like you dealing with the curveballs that life throws you. I mean, you and I both played with so many plethora of injuries and, you know, sometimes eventually like you got to, it's, it's a hard pill to stomach, but, you know, eventually like, you know, you and I had that dream of being a professional baseball player, but it's not going to work out if you, if you keep getting injured, if your body's not meant to do it, you know? So I think you and I, I know took some time to kind of pivot off of that dream. And for me, it happened earlier because I was cut my sophomore year basically. So I had to kind of accept it when I was in college. And so my last couple of years were kind of focused on maybe trying to work in the sport or trying to get an, I got an economics degree and so try to kind of build that professional platform a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And with you, you got the unfortunate, I mean, I mean, you were fortunate enough to play four years at Redlands, but you also, when you, when you leave the school, you were also saddled with the, the hurdle of being a college athlete that wasn't able to get the job experience that a lot of employers are looking for when you're coming out of college, because you were an athlete. And that's the nature of like so many athletes in college go through because yeah, you went to college and maybe you got a, a, a scholarship or you, maybe even you were, you were good enough to get a free education through the sport you were playing, but so many college athletes don't go on to play the professional the professional side. And, dealing with the lack of experience because you were dedicating so much of your life and time to preparing for the sport you were playing and then having to move put that to the side and pursue a professional path and a professional career like you, you're not technically qualified enough for a decent amount of the jobs that you feel that you're qualified for or at least like that you want or you're pursuing you know so that i think is is a major hurdle that people. In college, and and the young generation of our of our country are dealing with, you know, but I I don't know I have admired your journey, and I, I think that you you've done a really a really you've spun it in a way that was a really positive way for for a lot of people that could be listening to the stories that we're talking about.
1: Totally, I would the, like you said everyone everyone has that thing. It doesn't even need to be sports, but everyone has that thing that they tie their identity to, right and mm-hmm depending on how things shake out for you it it ends for different people at different times like for you it ended while in college for me it was after for professional athletes eventually it ends right it's not like it's not like you're a professional baseball player forever eventually and exactly. you know everybody goes through it yeah and so at that point like maybe someone's like 35 they just you know didn't get signed to keep playing baseball and then so they have to figure out what they're going to do with their life so i think just what I learned from that whole experience, what I would say is like, you really want to have, I don't want to say plan B, cause you, I, I do feel like you should kind of go all in on whatever it is you want to do. I in agree. your life, Right. I- but you should definitely set up. I think you should set up, sh- you should set yourself up to have options if it doesn't work out. Cause like in my example, I literally, like I didn't work. I didn't have any networking connections. So when I ended up Graduating, I couldn't even really put together a resume and I didn't know what to do because I just, I didn't, I hadn't done anything. Right. And so that made it a lot harder to transition. Whereas if I had been networking a little, maybe in the summer, like working here and there, doing like an internship, if I could, that would have helped so much. So,
0: yeah, I, I, I feel you there. I mean, I, I have a hard time like, I, I really empathize and sympathize with, um, college athletes coming out of, out of their, they're basically out of after after college, trying to figure out what they're going to do. And I think you really took a great approach to it. And it reminded me a little bit of, uh, I had a friend that had a similar path where he really traveled and found himself, uh, through travel. And you did something really similar. I had a friend named Jonah Campbell who did something really similar, um, where he traveled lots of places around the world. And I talked about, I talked with him on the podcast, maybe like in episodes, like 17 or so, something like, or something around there, you think he's came on the podcast twice, but um, you decided you were going to, you were going to travel the world a little bit and you were going to find yourself and figure out what the next, the next steps were for your life. And so why don't we talk about kind of what, what your thought process was was that and the transition from being a, a baseball player, trying to pursue your passion of being a professional ball player and then taking the next step towards what's the next, what's, what's going to, what's it, moving forward going to look like for you? What's the next steps in your life going to look like?
1: Sure. So like I said, when I graduated and baseball didn't work out, I had absolutely no idea what I wanted to do. Yeah. And I didn't know what what kind of job I was going to do. So I ended up getting lucky and I, my brother actually went to school with uh, this girl whose mom worked at NBC universal. And she was able to forward my resume to someone that worked there. And so I was able to get an interview and that ended up working out. And so I got hired and I worked there until I think, what was it? I think February of... 2018. Your, I'll tell you a secret. I have your link page. I have your LinkedIn page. Do you see? So you, you can tell me my <laughs> April, details. April well, 16th, April 2016 to January 2018. <laughs> well, let me let, you, let me let you in on a little thing. I, I, I. When you were giving the intro, you said marketing assistant and emico, and I was just kind of like cringing inside because I'm like, oh, I should update my LinkedIn because that's not even right anymore. I'm back at NBC Universal right now. Oh, really? But okay. Yeah. So, sorry about that. Uh, that should, <laughs> anyone listening, that you know, update your LinkedIn page because you never know when you're gonna be on a podcast and they're going to use your bio (laughs) as an intro so that's hilarious um, yeah so no but i i worked there for almost two years at nbc universal but um you know, I really still hadn't found that thing that I was passionate about. And around that time, around that, I, I think the year before I ended up traveling, I, I started to kind of figure out what I wanted to do with my life, right? I found things that I was really interested and passionate about. And I would say like the three main influences for me, there, it was around, all around the same time. I don't know if you ever watched Anthony Bourdain's Parts Unknown. Yeah. Yeah. Great show. So that, yeah. I was in peace. Any, yeah. RIP, right. I was actually <laughs> in Paris when he died. I got the news. I was sitting in, Oh man. I don't, I was sitting in Luxem. Oh, where was I? I don't even remember. I was sitting somewhere. Right. And yeah, I was just like on my phone and I got the notification. And yeah, that was a, that was a bummer. He was actually in France too when he, uh, when he died. So Yeah. I watched, uh, I started watching parts unknown and that really got me interested in traveling and like, I've always loved food. And so those two things together, it just seemed like so much fun, what he was doing. I really loved the show and I think that's what kind of inspired me to want to travel. And then two other things, I started listening to podcasts, right? So I started listening to Joe Rogan experience. I'm sure anyone that listens to the podcast, you know, he's like, he's the godfather of godfather of podcasting. Um, (laughs) Started to get passionate about that. I really like the idea of being able to have kind of what we're doing now, right? It's like having conversations with people and either learning about what they're experts in or just kind of learning from their life experiences. And so I really like podcasting. And then the other thing, I started watching Casey Neissat on YouTube. He's a a vlogger. Um, Anyone that's ever watched him, he's famous for kind of just daily, daily vlogs. I think he did for like over a year, he did a daily vlog every single day and he was living in New York and he just had a really unique way of storytelling. And so all three of those things kind of started to give me an idea of what I wanted to do. And so I was thinking like podcasting, and right, I wanted to travel and I wanted to start doing YouTube. And so, um, the reason why I wanted to start traveling was cause I didn't feel kind of back to what we were talking about earlier. Right. I played baseball my whole life. I didn't really do anything else. And so I felt like I lacked a lot of life experience. And there was like a lot of things that I wanted to prove to myself. I wanted to like test myself in a way. And so I thought traveling would be a great way. So I was living at home. Uh, I was living at home the whole time I was working. Um, saved up money. I think I ended up saving like $25,000 and then, eventually, you know, I, I mean, I was planning this for like a year, right. But I was so afraid to do it. I didn't want to do it. I didn't even tell my parents. Cause I knew what the answer I was, <laughs> was going to be right. Like, what are you doing? You're crazy. Like pay off your student loans. You know, you yeah. have the money to do that. That's what you should be doing. You want to travel like and quit your job. And so of course I eventually told them and that was the response, but eventually they came around to it to where I kind of had their support. And so I finally decided in um, February of 2017 to, make the jump and start travel. Very cool. Where was the place, where was the first place you went to? So, um, I went to London first and I actually, I don't know how I got it. This, I think it was like $300 for a one way ticket to London. And it was on Virgin airlines, which is like the nicest flight I've ever been on. And there was no <laughs> one sitting next to me either. It oh, was nice. like a very good start as far as traveling. Right. And, yeah. I don't, I've, I haven't seen a ticket that cheap, like going because like for anyone that travels, that's really like unheard of. It's usually in the, at least eight, you know, $800 range for like a, a economy uh ticket to somewhere in Europe. So yeah, I started in, um, Started in London and I was in Europe for four months and then I went to Asia for six months. Very cool.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. Where was... So let's start with... uh, Let's highlight some of these places you went to. So let me roll through some of these different categories I have put together. And you tell me which one, which spot you visited was your favorite um, in terms of like which criteria uh, I'm talking about. So let, let me give you an example. So I'm starting with the first one. Where was your favorite... Where was your favorite place you visited that had the best
1: food? Where was was your favorite food where you visited? Oh man, that's hard. Um, You can name me two or three if you need to. Well, so I would say obviously Italy, like the pots, the pasta, the pizza is so amazing, but I was in Italy for three weeks. And the problem with Italy is when you're just eating pizza and pasta constantly and gelato, right. (laughs) It eventually gets old. And so I, by the time I was leaving Italy, I was kind of, I was sick of, I was sick of Italian food because that's all I was, I was constantly eating that. So I would say like my favorite was probably Japan as far as like, if I had to pick one cuisine, I would say Japanese because there's a lot of variety with what you can get and it, like barbecue is a huge thing there, Japanese barbecue. Yeah. And uh it's it's honestly amazing. I could eat it every day. So yeah, it's Japanese. Give me
0: give me your best meal, like compose your best meal like take that you that you had there in Japan. Yeah. Or um, you could even like so if you want like string together things that you yeah you like had, yeah. And give me your
1: your ultimate like give me your your appetizer, entree, and dessert? Oh, wow. That's tough. That's a good question. Um, I would actually... I would say in general, if you just want like one meal, it definitely be... Japanese barbecue which is just like different cuts of meat that you can order and then you get like a side of rice and you have your little sides like kimchi and different pickled like mm-hmm. uh, vegetables and then is it here. similar
0: to like Korean barbecue it's like li- in yeah, it's
1: literally the same thing except okay. for is it just think, better there well so Korea actually is like the it's Japan d- took it from Korea so okay. it, it it is like separate because there is Korean barbecue in um, Japan, and there's also Japanese barbecue. So, but I, I would say like Koreans, they have pork is like an option as well. Whereas, mm-hmm. like in Japan, it was mostly just beef that I saw. So, I gotcha. I, I mean, honestly, either one's fine. Um, but yeah, no, eating was like my favorite thing traveling because I would always try and find like good restaurants. And that's what was kind of my favorite thing about traveling. What were you, was what going were you to these using? Restaurants. What were you using to like discover the different restaurants? Uh, it was just Google Maps. I'd pick like the city, and I'd like look at the reviews and the stars. Um... <laughs> Like, for example, I went to Romania, which, you know, you wouldn't really think of a place you'd want to visit. And I think it was in a place called Brushov where they had these, it was like a lot of uh, French and Italian influence. And they had these (laughs) these restaurants that, oh my God, it was so good. Looking at my Instagram, it was just like, they had lots of different cuisine. So it wasn't necessarily like Romanian or anything, but it was... Um, like burgers and burritos and stuff like that. And then I get like, I'd always have the desserts. I think one of the things I ate was like a uh, sriracha mac and cheese. That was really good. And then you get like a pizzuki. They had like pizzuki type things there too. If you've ever been to BJ's, okay. right? the pizzuki is yeah. like a famous thing. So like I'd always have yeah like you said i'd have a meal and then some type of dessert because i just wanted to try everything like some of these restaurants i'd go back to too because i wanted to try the whole menu and see yeah i think when like in romania as the example i went to one of the restaurants like three times and i was only there for a week so yeah <laughs> oh. that's cool what was your favorite dessert you had dessert oh my god um <laughs> I'm trying to. Uh, I want to pull my Instagram because I'm thinking because there's like your favorite dessert. There's like the one that looks the best, right? Like if you looked at my Instagram, there's yeah, the ones that you I definitely. Yeah, I haven't looked at it in a while, but
0: I remember following the Instagram posts. Yeah, so there's
1: like the ones that are that like just look absolutely amazing, and then there's the ones that taste really good too. I would say, you know what I would actually say was when I was in Korea, they had this. There's this cafe. And this was new to me They'd actually, they serve ice cream at this cafe. And so they had uh, waffles and ice cream. Mm-hmm. And that became like my favorite thing, honestly. Because like, uh, like uh, I never had that before. right? That was my first time. And so anywhere I'd go, I'd always, if I ever saw waffles and ice cream together, I always <laughs> would get that. I thought that was the coolest thing. Like I had that in Thailand a lot. And then... Um, Like I said, the first time I had it, that was in Korea. And so, oh, good times. Very cool. That sounds so good. All right. Next question on these travels. What was your favorite scenery
0: you saw? Like, what was your favorite, like, backdrop for nature? Like, what was the most breathtaking thing you saw?
1: For nature specifically? um,
0: Or even, like, architecture. Like, so you could give me both if you'd like to. It's just, like, your
1: favorite, like, just thing to look at. I'll, I'll, I'll it break it up. Yeah. Between architecture and like scenery, because that was one thing I always, cause I was big into Instagram back then. Right. So I was always trying to find like really nice scenery that I could take a picture of. Cause that kind of like sells itself. You don't really have to do anything with the photo. It just, it looks so great. So I would say in, uh, in Edinburgh, which is in Scotland, there's this, I don't remember what it's called, but there's this huge mountain that people it's, it's not really a mountain but it it, it it's not a hill right it's just, it's it's actually like a pretty decent hike it takes like 2 hours to get up there and it's a famous place that people go and so you're like at the tip of the and then overlooking is uh is Edinburgh the city and so like I went wow. there for sunsets and I have like photos of that that was really amazing i'd also say in in Seoul Korea there's another one where that you go up into the mountains and it's this really cool, I think it's called En Tower. You could look it up and um it's just like this kind of open place where they have, you know, restaurants and they have like different kind of attractions and there's just scenery overlooking all of Seoul. And I actually hiked up there, which I didn't know. Apparently you can take buses up there. It's not like you have to, but I hiked, like I hiked up the mountain to get there. Oh I was God. like sweating. And it was summer, right? So it was They're the probably summer. laughing at you. Yeah, I was just, I was I got up there and I see all these buses and I'm like pouring sweat because it's, it's summer in Korea and it's so h- hot and humid. It's, it's awful weather in Korea. And so, yeah, I was just like, well, that, that sucks that I... <laughs> so that uh, I'd say that as far as architecture goes, I don't think you can beat um, London and then uh, Paris. Those are just amazing. Any any type of place where it kind of looks like a fairy tale, where it's like cobblestone streets and you know it's older looking buildings. It's not because in the U.S. you don't really see yeah that much of a variety of architecture, right? You don't really think, see things that are old because unless you
0: go like to the East Coast or something like that,
1: like Northeast or something. Exactly. And even then it's, I mean, the country's not limited that old, right? Yeah. It's like 240 or whatever years old. So, I mean, London, Paris, you're looking at, and then even Rome, for example, that's another amazing one. You're seeing like such a wide variety of history. So all this different type of architecture. So yeah, I'd say the, those three places. Very cool. I like the I, this.
0: I mean, I, I was... I remember looking through your Instagram and I really appreciate a lot of the stuff that you were, you would post like so many different great scenic photos and stuff like that. I, I, I remember, I think the Ensel tower ones that you posted about Seoul. I think those, I, th- I remember th- thinking those were really neat. Those
1: yeah, were no, those, those were, yeah, it was a cool place.
0: Um, so did you visit any museums when you were traveling? What were your favorite museums that you saw?
1: Yeah, definitely. I really was into the museums anywhere I'd go. I'd try and go to all the museums. Um, I would say just in general, if you're really into history and museums and art, I'd say once again, it's London and Paris. Um, mm-hmm. Paris. I, if, if I had to choose one, I'd say Paris. The museums are just absolutely amazing there. The uh, like the War Museum, the the Louvre obviously is mm-hmm. amazing. Um, the art galleries—you really, really can't go wrong in Paris. So I'd say just every 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 museum in Paris, all the big <laughs> ones, right? Yeah, so cool.
0: I, I haven't traveled, um, to Europe myself. So, I mean, I'm living precariously right now through you. I'm tra- I'm, I'm, I've been like in my head for years now, like map, trying to map out the perfect kind of routes that I'm trying to figure out what I want to do, at least like for the first trip that I, I would go on to uh-huh. Europe. And, um, so w- when that time comes, I'm definitely going to be hitting you up for some more
1: recommendations. Yeah. Let me know. I'd be happy. <laughs> I love talking travel. So anytime I can help someone with yeah. anywhere I've been, I love to do it. So yeah, definitely do that.
0: All right. And then next question I wanted to ask you for your travel experiences. Did you ever um, encounter like a great or a really fun place where you enjoy like the partying scene or maybe like, like a young college scene? What was your what was what do you think would be for someone that's looking to have like a really fun time trying to party or like enjoy like a, a youthful environment? Like what, was
1: there a place that you could think of that might be fitting that category? Definitely, I would so like the the typical answer answer you'll get from people is Prague, and okay. um, Prague's like a a huge hit with college kids. I don't know why. I didn't like it's gorgeous and everything, but as far it just it has it had to me. I've I've never been to Russia, but it had some like Russian like mob vibes to me some, some <laughs> of the time. It was kind it was kind of weird, but yeah, it's gorgeous there and nightlife is huge there. The club scenes like really big there. I didn't actually go anywhere. In Prague, as far as that, but I would say like the actual place you want to go, I wouldn't go to Prague. I'd go to Budapest. Um, oh, okay. Budapest. I had a, I had a roommate that went to Budapest and had a
0: similar similar uh, take. They said that yeah, was really that, that
1: would be a, that'd be the best place if you want to if you're a college kid and you want to party or like you're looking for that kind of experience. I would say Prague. They have these things called ruin bars, which are these it's like these bars that are based, some of them are outdoor, some of them are indoor, but they have, it, it looks like almost like a piece of history. It's like these ruins where it's kind of beat up in the, like the, the walls and stuff are beat up and like th- usually brick. Those are really cool. It's, it's a young city. It's like super young. Um, there's tons of places to drink. Then they have uh, the thermal bath there. That's like a really big thing where they have oh, these, yeah, those are famous. these hot baths. Yeah. And so like you could, you know, you go out at night And then the next day you can, on like the weekend, you can go to these baths and just like kind of relax and get like massages and whatever. And the food's also really good in Budapest. There's tons of variety too. It's not just like, um, Hungarian food. There's literally everything you could want. There's Japanese burgers, Mexican food, pizza, like everything. So I I would say that's probably one of my favorite places in Europe. And yeah, if you're young, I I recommend it. Very cool. Where was
0: the best bang for your buck location that you had? Like, where did you where did you enjoy it the most, but also save the most money?
1: Ooh, what
0: what place were you able to extend your dollar the most?
1: So, like, Eastern Europe is probably the best, and then when kind of region wise, right? Like, as you're if you were to start in england like looking at a map and then as you go to the right it gets cheaper basically okay and then so like scandinavia for example i really wanted to go to sweden but sweden's like Mm -hmm. so expensive and um did you ever uh get to amsterdam No, that's one I still have on my list. I actually made friends with a guy in Romania that's from the Netherlands and it it sounded amazing. Um, That was another one where it just didn't work out and it was kind of pricey. Basically, where I went was I would look at because I sit in hostels in Europe. So I would look at like where there is cheap hostels. Like kind of my rule was kind of like 25 bucks a day was what I wanted to do. And then for food, I would be like 25 bucks a day as well. And that's kind of how I budgeted. And so I just have to find places where it worked out with that. And then I could also find plane tickets as far <laughs> as like cheap places though. I'd say uh, Budapest once again, that's really cheap. And it's a lot of fun there. And then Romania, all of Romania is really cheap. Poland's really cheap too. Poland's a lot. That's another party city. I'd say back to the, back to the college, <laughs> the, the young kids, I'd say if you go to Krakow in Poland that's another place no one really knows about and it's it's literally a party city like it's college kids everywhere the hostels are party hostels Damn. there's actually like a lot of scams too you have to watch out for with like people trying to like approach you at night and stuff like that and trying they like they lure you to bars <laughs> have like women lure you to bars and like charge you drinks they'll get you to charge they charge over uh, overpriced drinks right so like the yeah. men they'll get and then they'll get the they'll get the men to buy the girls the drinks, right. And they have like a $200 bill and they have to pay it. So there's like stuff yeah. that happens there, which is kind of sketchy, but yeah, it's a, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous city too. Food's good. Burgers are like, for whatever reason, randomly burgers are like the biggest thing there. There's burger <laughs> joints everywhere and they're really good. And so, yeah, I'd say for, for cheap, it would be Budapest uh, anywhere in Romania and then Poland I'd say are the cheapest and they're a lot of fun too. Very cool. Very cool.
0: What, um, uh, if if there's a family that's looking to travel um, to any place that you might have been to, what what do you think the, the places you went to would be the best for like a family of four or five with like maybe kids in there and below like ten years old or something like that?
1: Yeah, I'd say. I mean, if if money's not really an like a issue, I'd say the big ones are always probably the best because you you get a little bit of everything for like mm-hmm. what people are gonna want to do, right? So there's like I'd say London, Paris, those are. Uh, Italy too. Those are great choices. Cause there's like the history where you get to see that. And that's like a good thing to experience together as a family. And then they have like really good shopping and really good food. And, um, it's there, these are like big tourist destinations too. Right. So it kind of caters to tourists. You're not gonna have to worry about like not speaking the language. Yeah. And so I'd say the big ones, Rome, Paris, London. Cool.
0: Yeah. I, I figured that. So I feel like we're we're talking we're basically back on your rookie mistakes podcast right now so let's talk about totally. let, let's transition we so your podcasts you uh you had you, you it looks like you kind of discontinued it about a year ago now but yep. you, were, you had a good run going for a podcast you called the uh, rookie mistakes and mm-hmm. it was basically about your travels and, and these kinds of questions where you were like recommending different places things that you were experiencing and I, I know I listened to a, a few episodes and I really enjoyed a lot of different things that you were discussing but let's talk about your, your podcast here. So like what kind of was uh, your inspiration for this and, and what was your process for trying to uh, combine your travel with your podcasting?
1: Yeah. So like I said earlier, I kind of decided with the traveling, right? I wanted to travel. I wanted to do podcasting and I wanted to potentially do YouTube. And so I thought like, well, with the podcast, what am I going to talk about? And I thought, I thought it would be cool to kind of just document my journey and like talk about what I like, what I was struggling with, what was easy, what was working, what wasn't. And so that was part of it. And then I also started doing traveling. Like I would do these travel guides um, just because it was like an easy way to do extra episodes. And it was, I really enjoyed doing it and putting together all the information and those ended up being the most popular. So I kind of had on the one hand, right. I was kind of just talking about like my experiences with like, trying to do content creation podcasts and kind of like what I'm struggling with. And then the other hand, it was like, just kind of talking about my experiences traveling and then what I would recommend to people. And so that's what it was. Um, The reason why I stopped though, was I kind of got, I got to the point where I was out of things to talk about as far as travel goes. And so I was going to transition into kind of inter, like what you're doing, where you just like interview people. I wanted to... My thing was I wanted to just interview people that I was interested in, like their careers and really get into why, yeah. why they're successful. Like I really wanted to... Because I feel like most podcasts these days, right? They That's kind of what it is. You're interviewing per, a person, getting their, their story and kind of drawing lessons from that, right? But I don't feel like... Anyone really goes like really deep into it to where you really get to get a sense of like how how, how that person struggled and how they're they're able exactly. to overcome that. And so that's something I really wanted to kind of dive into. And it just, yeah. it didn't like with my podcast setup up, I didn't really have a way of like, unless I could do it in person, I didn't really have a way of doing it. I couldn't figure out how to do it over the computer. And I was also worried about sound quality. I mean, obviously now zoom's like a big thing because of mm-hmm. the COVID right. And, um, and then with COVID hitting too, for like a year now, I just can't, you can't really go anywhere. And so I couldn't interview people anyways in person most likely. Mm-hmm. And so I, it just kind of, I just kind of stopped doing it because I I knew I couldn't be consistent with it, and I definitely want to start doing it again. But um, yeah, it'll just be a matter of consistency. Well, and then,
0: well, maybe we if you if you ever end up wanting to re re uh, reboot the uh, the podcast, we could maybe bring you aboard on the the All Things Analysis Network, and you could do your your rookie mistakes podcast, and you could you could piggyback onto the, the all things analysis thing, our website, that'd be if you cool. ever get back into
1: it, you can yeah, let me definitely. know though. If
0: it, 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 no, no pressure on that, but if you ever wanted to, you know, kind of do something like that, feel free to let me know.
1: Oh yeah. We'll talk about it. I, I mean, we, I mean, probably not now. Right. But like, yeah, I definitely yeah. just to like what you're doing, that'd be cool to learn about. So
0: yeah. Cool. I, what you talked about with in terms of trying to, op- with my goal with vicious talk was I was trying to differentiate myself by asking more tough questions about the logistics of how people were pursuing what they were passionate about and what made them successful and what, what made, what they failed in, you know? And so it's just, sometimes you, you that's why I, I try, I I've really only been able to bring on guests that I'm kind of comfortable with talking to because sometimes you, if I'm talking to someone who is, a, is more of a, like a higher up to me or something like that, I'm al- I'm always going to have to be more respectful to them and, and understand like that they've earned, like the right to kind of speak what they want to talk about. Um, totally. What what I really've enjoyed is speak when I speak to people is trying to figure out. What their struggles were, and like what 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 they had to do to overcome a specific hurdle in their life, and to to pursue what they wanted to, and I think that those kinds of conversations could could target any sort of individual who's maybe like some of my most successful podcasts were like I talked to my mom about higher education, and how she pursued her ma- her doctorate degree, and like what kind of that meant, and and the hurdles and trying to and just the like the logistical hurdles of like managing a family with that, and you know, and just kind of being like managing your day job with that kind of stuff. And so that those kind of specific questions, like I, I did, I did really well on a podcast a couple of weeks ago with my cousin, Nick Barrow, he talked about navigating the job market amidst the pandemic, like those kinds of general, like those kinds of topics are, I think are captivating to some people who are just looking for some sort of edge, some sort of, uh, comment or suggestion or recommendation that is just going to click in them and it's going to shoot them into some sort of direction that they they want to get to or some place that they want to be if that makes sense
1: totally I, I i know we wanted to talk a little bit about like how you start a podcast and i'd say like what you're talking about it's 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 about relatability and giving people hmm you know, like uh, giving them the tools to help themselves in their life too. And then, like, so there's, there's that. And then there's also like escapism. So, like, how do, some people just listen to podcasts because it's like entertaining and it gets them through their day. And then, like, w- like w- with, like, what you're doing, it's more like I said, it's about the relatability and like giving people, like showing people experiences that they can relate to. And then, like, giving them the tools or like maybe they didn't think about something in a certain way. Right. And then they, mm-hmm. they hear this, this podcast with this person who's in a similar situation to them. And then it kind of gives them the, the motivation or the ideas to make changes in their yeah. own lives too. If you if we if I'm able to just kind of
0: stir someone's mindset, just even a little bit, you know, that's how I feel like, I, I, that's like me feeling like I'm, I'm doing something right, you know? So that's what I, I've strived for. But also, I mean, like I love talking about sports and I talk of football all the time. I think predominantly like my podcast has talked about sports predominantly, but mm-hmm. that's just because I I, I really enjoy. It and I, I, I personally feel like I have some good sports analysis and recommendations, but I feel like, the way to differentiate yourself is what you're talking about finding some sort of way to, to relate to your listeners and figure out ways that you could help them and, and captivate them for the hour plus that you're so that you're, that they're listening to you for, you know?
1: Yeah. I would say because uh, I mean, the the advice you'll hear always right with podcasting is be like you said, it's be unique, mm-hmm. but pretty much everything's been done when you really think about it. Like, yeah. That's,
0: are... that's a huge, that's a huge notion. Cause I a hundred percent agree with you because innovation nowadays is just dragging to a, a turtle's pace, you know?
1: Yeah. And I, so I would say like, what I would just do what you're passionate about and what excites you because mm-hmm. that's one thing I struggled with, with wanting to start a podcast. And even now I struggle with it because it's like, I'm just some random dude, right? I'm not like famous. Yeah. I don't have a following. <laughs> like why would anyone want to listen to me? And I've, I think what I've kind of learned from like watching other people do podcasts that aren't necessarily famous, they're not celebrities or like professional athletes or anything. It's more about just like, if you can find people that relate to you and you can build a community and people like you, like they'll listen to you. It's not not so much about the, the fame exactly. aspect. I mean, that definitely helps right with getting like, especially if you're doing guests, it really helps yeah. if you're famous because yeah. it's like, it's hard to, it's hard to reach out to people that, maybe you think would be good for the podcast because they have some type of following or they can offer yeah. something in the way of advice but if you, if you yourself don't necessarily have that then it's kind of like how am i yeah. going to get this person to come on right? So then it's yeah. like finding just everyday people, but so how do I make it interesting with this everyday person? How do I make it relatable to like, who's listening so that they can get something out of it? So
0: yeah. yeah you, that's, hit that's the, a struggle. you hit the nail on the head right there. Uh, I 100% agree with that because I mean, honestly, like a couple of weeks ago, I reached out to Garrett Cooper from Loyola. He's playing okay. on the, Mi- he's playing on the Miami Marlins. Now he played, really? yeah, he played with uh, my brother, Zach
1: At Loyola, Um, he was the first baseman. Yeah, right. Yeah, goofy looking, kind of.
0: Yep. He plays on the Miami. He plays on the Miami Marlins, and he hit off. He hit basically the biggest home runs the Marlins have had in in almost a decade this this year. He hit a home run off of Yu Darvish that basically clinched the wild card round for them against the Cubs. Uh-huh. And I, I reached out to him on Facebook and I haven't heard back from him. yet. I'm going uh, cross my fingers at some point he gets to it. But I asked him, like I said, con- obviously, congrats. And like I was it was so cool to kind of watch him. And and it's, it's really neat when you see someone that, you know, or that you've had some sort of personal relationship with, even if Coop Coop and I didn't really have uh, a, a great friendship. But we, he was nice to me all the time. But He was like three or four years older than me all the time. So in high school. So. But it was just kind of cool to see someone that, you know, on national television hitting a huge, big home run, you know, and he's he's having some success in the major leagues. And it's really it's I was hoping to kind of bring him on and talk about not only like his experiences going through. I mean, he was he was an all right player in high school. And no, I, I
1: mean, yeah, it wasn't like a. it's not like we thought he, he was, was good, the, but yeah. yeah,
0: exactly. He was kind of
1: inconsistent. He just had the physical tools and he's he, like he got super like he, he big. Find, and, like. And he by he, no means was the best player. Like no. it's not like you thought he was like some stud. And so yeah. that's, that's really crazy to hear about. I didn't know he was playing on the Marlins. That's yeah. He's playing insane. first for the Marlins. And
0: uh, I don't know that if they're, I, I'm hoping they keep him around um, just because I mean, he, he had actually, he's had a couple good seasons now with the Mi- with Miami and um, hoping that he could, he could have more success there, but um I just I was looking to like maybe talk to him about like not only his experiences, but also like the Marlins in general, because the Marlins right now are kind of a captivating organization in their own right. they They just hired. Um, the first female general manager in American sports history, and I so like, that. yeah, that's really cool. And and the Marlins, and like I mentioned, they they were in the playoffs last year for the first time in a long time, and um, they they had a big upset against the Chicago Cubs in the wild card round. So I just think those kind of topics would be, like you said, like bringing on someone who's kind of like uh, maybe a little bit more well known, someone who's a, maybe he's not really, a, I mean, he kind of a celebrity, a celebrity esque, I guess you would say he's playing in the big leagues. So I'm sure he has a bigger following than someone like you or I would have. And so those those are hurdles that like people people like ourselves who are just kind of Joe blows trying to captivate listeners and have, and basically bring them into your podcast for an hour or two just kind of making it worth a worthwhile listen. And I think sprinkling in those kinds of uh, episodes and those kinds of conversations could be helpful, but obviously like what you talked about with trying to figure out ways to relate to your, your listeners and figure out ways that you could help them out in different aspects of their life is important for sure.
1: Yeah. Three things I would touched on with what you just kind of said, it was, I think that's great that you r- reached out to him. Like the, f- like, even if you don't hear back from him, right. The fact that yeah. you're like able to just do it, I think yeah, that's, and he's not the first have, one I've done this to. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the mindset you have to have. Right. Cause that's a, that's something I struggle with too. It's like, Oh, I'm, the, I'm like, I'm just going to reach out to this person that, I mean in your case you know them, right but let's say you do it to some random person it's like this person doesn't even know me and like what are they, are they even going to like respond or like are they going to say no and so like that I think is important to just do it and then that's also like using your network right like you know this guy and he actually ends up he ended up being on the Marlins and that like you said it would be it would definitely I mean, probably create more exposure because he's like more well-known and it's more interesting to like an audience member listening to the podcast. So Mm -hmm. that's awesome. Um, The last thing I'd say is as far as growing the podcast, you touched on it with, he'd be an interesting guest. So that would probably get more listens, right? Mm -hmm. Really what you can... I mean, the only way really to grow a podcast is either you use the audience of like the person you're having on. And so you're hoping like, Hey, this person has a little bit of an audience. This will probably get them to listen to it. And then maybe they're going to like the podcast and like continue listening. So like you kind of just grab, uh, you kind of build your audience off of other people. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing would be just to. I mean, pay for advertising, whether that's like Facebook or Instagram, yeah. like you can, you can pay. And it's not, I don't know. I, I don't know how it is anymore. I know when I was doing it back, like, you know, two years ago, it wasn't that expensive, honestly, to yeah, like, it's advertise not, your it's own. It's not that bad. And so it's not that bad still, which is, which is good. So that's another way, but yeah, like, like using your network, I would really recommend to people that's a, like, like what you're doing. That's a really good way of, you know, trying to build up an audience.
0: Yeah, I agree one hundred percent. So to wrap up the podcast conversation, so tell me, what was the most fun part about recording rookie mistakes? What what did you most enjoy about it? And why would why would someone relate to it? You know, it was like why would someone listen to this and be like, oh, you know, I want that.
1: I would say, well, what I liked most about it was just seeing. And this is, I don't necessarily think this is a good thing, right? But like seeing how many, like you, you put a podcast up and you're like, Oh, who's going to listen to it. And like seeing who's like how many views it gets or listens it gets. And then if anyone ever like uh, left a review, I, I, I remember one time, this random guy that I don't like, I never, I never met him. He I, He wasn't someone I knew. He emailed me. Like ask me for travel advice on like because he was Very going neat. on a trip. He was going on a trip with his family, and I always figured like, oh, people that would listen to my podcast because it wasn't like many, right? But it was like it's probably just people I know because I'm like posting it on Instagram, and so they'll probably mm-hmm. right. It's not going to be like random people, and so like this random like middle aged man, in whatever part of the U.S. was like, hey, I'm going on this trip with my family. Can you like send me advice on where I should go and stuff? And so I send him like this list of all the, these different recommendations for going to London. And I thought that was like the most rewarding thing, right? Cause that's, that's like really, really cool. what it was all about. was like helping people in this case, it was traveling. Cause that's what I was talking about. Like how helping them and like being able to give them advice. So that I, I would say that was um, definitely the coolest part. That's an awesome
0: experience. That's cool. I, I that's something that I, I like about it as well. I mean, it's, it's, you're hoping that, I mean, obviously I try to keep my head down and, and try to just record the best content that I can without trying to consider too much about the, uh, the, the, what do you call it the the metrics uh, and Yeah or like the reactions it. to you what you're posting basically. Yeah. And yeah, no definitely don't pay attention to that. <laughs> yeah. You know, so <laughs> yeah, I, I try to yeah, exactly so I try to just try to put the best product out there. But, you know, if, if listeners listen to podcasts, like that's something to consider, like it, it show support for the things that you're passionate about or the things that you consume, you know? So mm-hmm. I think that's also just a general trend that people don't do necessarily enough where just like show more support for the things that you you enjoy, you, you know? So if you listen to a podcast, rate it five stars on whatever you, your platform you're listening to or give it a little comment. Say like, oh, I really enjoy this or like those kind of small things just like mean a lot to people. And I think that in general is, is something that you touched on that, I think is important for people to to hear, you know.
1: Yeah, i like that like you said that is so it means the world honestly like even even if it's just like one person because there was people I'd even just on instagram right that would I'd like make these relationships with where we'd kind of mm-hmm. we'd like each other's photos and we'd talk to each other and it's like I've never even met this person in my life but mm-hmm. it was so cool to have because you knew they were like your fan right that you'd always see them liking your photos and they'd like comment and stuff and like you talk to them about it and you'd like do it back to them you'd reciprocate and those types of things like the relationships you build and that's why I said earlier, it's really about building a community with like podcasting. That should honestly be your goal. And you said you try not to pay attention to the, like the, the numbers and the reactions and all that. And I think that's honestly the way you want to do it. It's just, it should, the focus should be just putting out the best content or whatever, whatever you're doing, right. It doesn't need to be podcasting, but just focus, focus on putting out the best thing you can. And then eventually you will build an audience if you're consistent with it and you're putting out good stuff. 100% 100% for sure.
0: All right, Connor. So the last topic that you and I discussed that we wanted to try to just touch on, let's talk about this really quick. Okay. Um, Cause so I talk, like I said, a lot of, we talk about a lot of sports here on Vicious Talk with Benny P. You yep. have a little bit of a more, you have more expertise than I do in mm-hmm. MMA and Formula One. So let's talk first a little bit about MMA. I wanted to ask you a couple questions because I gamble a little bit. I, I I gamble here and there. I sprinkle oh. a little. I, I sprinkle a little change here and there. Do you okay. have any? Do you have any recommendations for me for UFC two fifty five? The figure uh,
1: Figueroa versus Perez. Yeah, because that's tonight, right? Yeah. You know, that's funny. I actually, because I I figured we'd talk about UFC. So I, because I knew there was a card tonight, but I wasn't sure. So yeah, figure it. So there are fly weights, which is, I think it's 125 pounds. So that's mm-hmm. honestly not that, like, that weight class isn't that popular. Gotcha. Anyone watches. Um, and that guy, Figueredo is a new champion. I think he, I, don't, I think he's only had the, he's, he just got the belt. So I don't think he's defended it yet. Um, as far as do, I think you should take my advice and on it? I don't, but if you would like some advice, I would say, I would definitely take Figueredo. And then uh, in the, in the co-man, it's Shevchenko, which mm-hmm. is, she's this badass Russian chick. She's like the sweetest girl ever, but she's literally a killer. She, she's amazing. Like watching her fight. I think she's held the belt now for like, I think she's defended it either two or three times. Wow. That's the women's. Yeah, uh, dude, women's MMA gets vicious, dude. Like they
0: get real, like they have no personal, like care about their opponent. Like it almost like they're just willing to just freaking demolish them
1: sometimes, you know? Yeah. They're, they're, they're pretty badass. The the chicks. Definitely. Um, I would say though, her, like if you're going to bet, like if, if I was going to, I mean, you're probably not going to win much money. Right. Cause the odds aren't going to be very good for her. Cause mm-hmm. she's probably like a huge, um, favorite to win but i would say like the lock of the night would probably be her to win so okay if you did want to bet i don't know go for it. i would go with her if okay. anything i like it did you hear about the mcgregor poirier fight uh yeah um i don't it, it's weird right because um so they i don't know if you knew this but they fought before i think Either three or four years ago, they fought at featherweight. Both of them are lightweights now, which is 155, okay. but featherweight is 145. And that's when they, they fought like earlier in their careers. And Connor, absolutely like Connor's thing is he kind of mentally destroys you before you fight. And then yeah. he's just able to like knock you out. Cause you're kind of already lost the fight. Intimidated almost, it. And right. And so anytime that's not happened is when he's kind of had trouble. Like when he fought Khabib, that didn't happen when he fought Nate Diaz the first time that didn't happen. You saw he had, he had problems with that, but usually The mental warfare, warfare just he's able to do that before the fight and they kind of just fold over. And so he uh, knocked Dustin out, I think, in the second round of the first fight. And so for them to be fighting again, I think Conor should probably win. It'll be interesting to see because Dustin's such a better fighter now. And I think he's more confident and he's he's won some really big fights. And he's one of the best fighters in the world at his weight class. So it'll be interesting to see if Conor can get into his head. Also interesting is Conor was kind of known as that braggadocious, right? That like mm-hmm. mon- like flashing the money, nice suits, nice watches. <laughs> Uh, talked a lot of smack. He was really good at that. Right. But he's kind of turned over a new leaf when he fought Donald Cerrone. He was very um, respectful yeah. and like admired him. Do you, right? think that,
0: do you think part of that was just the, the, what do you call it? Cerrone is very respected in the sport in general. Do you think that was part of it?
1: or Yeah, I, I, yeah definitely. I think Connor respects Donald, which is why it, that went the way it did. And so, I I would imagine he also respects Dustin. Like even though there was a lot of like shit talk the first fight and it was pretty brutal to watch Dustin just like completely like, just <laughs> like it was, it was bad, honestly. Like he really got into, you could tell he got in Dustin's head in the yeah. press conferences. Right. But now I don't necessarily think he'll do that. And so it'll be interesting to see if, um, If that doesn't play any factor, if there isn't any mental games, I mean, Dustin could still fold in like the actual fight, right? Cause he mentally could still just be like, who knows? Yeah. Um, he could just be kind of mentally gone. But, um, yeah, I, I I like Connor's chances. I don't really know why they're fighting. It seems kind of, yeah, Connor, at least it seems like, I mean, I guess it makes sense, but it's not even for the belt either. I don't know if you know this, but at 155, Khabib is retiring most likely, yeah. yeah. And so that belt's kind of up for grabs now. But the, and these two are like the top five in in the lightweight division, so it's yeah. kind of where they're not fighting for the belt. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But yeah, I'd expect Conor. Khabib's an animal, dude. That guy is—he's is crazy.
0: I—I I, I really like Justin Gaethje too, so I was kind of rooting for him. But dude, I—I don't—I don't, I would never bet against Khabib because that guy is
1: incredible. Did you watch that fight?
0: I watched. i, I didn't watch the whole thing. I watched parts of it. I—I I, I caught mostly the highlights. But yeah, it was. Yeah. I mean, that guy is an animal.
1: So I—I I don't know if you saw this story. I don't know if this is. I don't know if this is right, but I think someone bet a million dollars. Damn. On, on Justin to win that fight. Oh! <laughs> and he lost, so... And he got destroyed, too. It wasn't even close. Nah. You no. Know? Yeah. Like, and I love Gaethje. I think he's just a really good fighter. Oh, no, he's awesome, but... And I thought he was going to have... I thought he was going to have the best chance of beating Khabib, be, but you could... I, I could tell, like, in the first round... Did you watch the fight, or did you... You said you just saw highlights, right? I saw highlights, you yeah. Saw highlights. So I actually watched the fight, and um, you could tell in the first round, like, the pace that... Khabib was throwing at Justin and like he was just on him like the whole time from the beginning. And so I, it was just, I was very like, I don't think Justin's gonna be able to handle this. And so it ended up, I didn't think it would end in the second round, but he ended up choking him out in Mm -hmm. the second. So yeah. yeah.
0: The emotions of Khabib after that fight was incredible too. With this, like, he was now to retirement is his first fight. His dad wasn't there for and, and
1: his dad died. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, really sad. I, I don't like Khabib honestly, but like after watching that whole thing, like, happen and like I'm right there with you. <laughs> I, like, I just don't. Yeah. I mean, I think part of it too is he doesn't really speak English and he's like, he's, you know, I mean, he's not, yeah, I guess he's Russian kind of. Um, yeah, I think he's from Dagestan. Right. So, he, yeah. but, uh, yeah, I just wasn't a huge fan, but yeah, after watching him fight and then like with it, watching him and it, what do you, you know, him on the, on the octagon floor kind of with all that emotion, I definitely felt for him. And yeah, he's, he's, he's a boss. So
0: definitely. All right. Let's, let's touch base on the last sport, you know, a little bit about, so it convinced me i I've, I've barely watched ever like any formula one in my life. I have an uncle <laughs> in the East coast who I, I stayed with a few times when I was in college. He likes formula one. So that was literally the extent of my my okay. Formula One watching convinced me. Like, w- why should someone watch Formula One? Like, what's fun about being a
1: fan of this sport? Okay, so I was never. I didn't even. Uh, my experience with Formula One. I don't. Do you remember Speed Racer, <laughs> the cartoon? Yeah. So I think that was Formula One. One right. I'm pretty sure. Like that's what he was. Like, cause it was a racing yeah. show. I'm so yeah. that's like my experience with formula one was that like, I didn't even <laughs> really know what it was. Right. And I think two years, it was either two or three years ago. Um, Netflix came out with this documentary series called drive to survive, which it basically followed the whole formula one season. Okay. And so I think it's eight episodes. They have two seasons. So it's eight episodes each season and they're doing, they're working on season three for this current formula one season. Um, and that really got me into it. It just looks so, it just looks so compelling. And I would say to anyone, if you're like you're interest, not even if you want to get into Formula One, but if you want to watch like a really good documentary series, and I bet you it'll get you interested in Formula One, I would watch it. It's called Drive to Survive on Netflix. So that's what got me into Formula One. I'll give a shot. Um, yeah, no, you'll love Cause you like sports too. So you'll love it. Cause it's like seeing the, cause you get to see the behind the scenes, like everything, the training, like what they're going through. You get to see that there's a lot of politics going on, which is really interesting between the teams and there's drama that happens. And then like seeing the interactions between like the, the, uh, I don't know what you would call them. I forgot what the name is. It's basically like the coach. Think of it, it's like the coach, right? The guy that like runs the team and is in, it's almost like the pit boss, I guess you could say. And uh, yeah, seeing those interactions with the, the drivers and then like the, those people. Um, and then obviously it's very like ritzy. These are these are million dollar machines, right? Like I think the, I, I heard the other day the budget for Mercedes, which is the best Formula One team for just solely for uh, Formula One, it's like $500 million or something. Damn. And that's just to create this like little car, right? That goes like 200 miles an hour. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> so, and then it's also really dangerous, right? So that's compelling totally. to see like their reaction time and then just the engineering and how that works. And it's very technical. So if you're into like technical sports and like how um there's just so many factors that go into it. And it's it's really amazing. And there's only 20 drivers in the world, right? So it's like one of those sports oh, okay. I, didn't where, know that. I didn't know it was that small of a sport. Yeah, so there's like Formula One, two, and three, and then there's other stuff that people do. And then that kind of train also with like NASCAR and like IndyCar and like all of these different races, right? there's sometimes there's crossover, not with um I don't think with anyone from NASCAR going to the Formula One, but sometimes Formula One drivers will do like IndyCar or NASCAR type stuff, and so there is crossover with that too. And so yeah, it's just it's it's honestly it's it's my new it's my new favorite sport. I don't really know what's going on still, to be honest. But uh, <laughs> and then also what sucks too is the races are at because they're always in Europe, right? Like the whole they yeah. they have one race in Austin. But for the most part, it's either in Asia or Europe. So the races are on Sundays at like six in the morning, five in the morning. And I don't like it that much to wake up early, especially (laughs) (laughs) because racing's it's like eighty four laps, right? And it's not that. It's more of like the highlights are fun to watch, and then talking it like what's going on with the teams. Like there's a lot of good podcasts with Formula One. So cool. I would recommend yeah for anyone looking for a new sport. Neat. I'm gonna give the drive to survive a chance on Netflix. We'll see. We'll we'll, we'll take pro- it from there. I, I promise you, you'll at least. <laughs> you might not. Maybe you won't like Formula One. Like to watch it after, but you'll. I promise you'll like the the series. Definitely. Cool. Very cool. All
0: right, Connor. Let's uh wrap it up with our last segment here on the podcast. Uh, I've been when li- recently in my reboot, um, when I joined with all things analysis, uh, when I bring on new guests, what I'm doing is I'm calling this last segment the Vicious Minute. All right. Okay. And the vicious minute is similar to it's, it's it's a little bit different where I'm asking I'm giving a uh, guest an opportunity to answer 10 trivia questions um but also um if you ever watch ESPN on around the horn They do a a 30 minute show where they discuss various sports topics and the host of the show gives uh, everybody a point for whenever they make a good point or actually subtract points whenever they make a a poor point in his opinion. And at the end of the Uh, show, at the end of the show, the winner with the most points gets like a minute to talk about whatever they want to talk about, like something they're passionate about, a, a team that they like some sort of sports trend that they saw, even like a sometimes a political thing or some sort of like social thing that they talk about. So there's different things that they discuss on the show at the end. And, um, what I'm doing is what we'll do is I'm going to ask you 10 trivia questions here for the vicious minute. You're going to, right now, we're going to take, we're going to take your score. I'll tell you right now, the, the top score on this vicious minute is six out of 10 by John Saderopoulos, somebody that we yes. know from, from Loyola so, high school. Yeah. So it's not that good either. Six no, out of 10. Like I had a friend. Not... Yeah. My cousin got two out of 10 once. And, and so I'm telling you, some of these are tough. I, I, I try to make it personalized for you. Um, there'll be some softballs, I'm sure,
1: but there, there's definitely a few hard ones in here and we'll see how you do. Real quick, has anyone ever not gotten any right? No, the two out of 10 is the lowest Ooh. score. All right, so I'm okay. hoping at least, I, I hope I get at
0: least one. All right. Okay, and, <laughs> and, and at the end, if you think of something you want to you just ramble about for a minute, uh, something that you just want to bring some sort of attention to that you're passionate about, go ahead and shoot it my way uh, on the podcast to wrap it up. But we're going to start with this trivia, all right? Let's do it. All right. So you mentioned Connor Hancock's uh, a big Tom Brady fan, and he, he's oh, yeah. Cur- yeah. So Tom. he's currently he's currently enjoying I- a decent season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But Tampa Bay began, as we all know, his career in New England. So yep. when New England drafted Tom Brady uh, into the when, New, when Tom Brady was became the face of the New England franchise, he he was drafted in, in I think two in the year two thousand. Okay. He he he. uh He's obviously experienced lots of Bowl victories and he's been the most valuable player in a couple of seasons. But Connor, let me ask you this. Do you know in which
1: round in 2000 that the Patriots drafted Tom? I knew, I knew you were going to say that. And I don't know football rounds that well. Well, Let me, let me, let me give you
0: four. Let me give you four four answers. All right. right, Let me give you four options. A, the sixth round, Uh B, the eighth round, Uh huh. C, the 11th round,
1: or D, the 5th round? So you said 6th, 8th, and 11th? Mm -hmm. 6th. You got that one right. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. See, I, I, I had an idea, but I wasn't, like I said, I wasn't sure how many rounds there are. So I didn't want to like say something at know That's not even how many rounds there are in football, but yeah. I, I, okay. So yeah, okay. thank you. because that helps. <laughs> All
0: right. Question number two, one for one. Connor starting off well here on the podcast. You got Tom Brady drafted in the sixth round for the Wingo Patriots. You know, he, there were six quarterbacks that were drafted ahead of him too. So not only was he drafted in the sixth round, there were six other quarterbacks that Tom Brady got drafted behind. All of them out of the league by now. <laughs>
1: Crazy. That's goes yeah. back to what we talked about earlier with, right? The chip on your shoulder and totally. All
0: right. Question number two, Connor's also a big LeBron James fan. He uh, let me ask you this question about LeBron, which season did LeBron James win his first NBA championship, 2007, 2008, 2012, or 2011 his first NBA
1: championship that he won. Oh man, that's tricky because I mean it was Miami, obviously, and they went back to back, and so it could either be it's either because we're in 2020, so nine years ago, it's not going to be two, 13 years ago. So it's 2007, 2008, and what were the other two? 2011 and 2012. And it was what was the first one? That's tough. Oh, so oh, it's, 07, 08, 11, and 12. I don't think I don't think it could be 07 or 08 and then you could be tricky me. Is it was it the first two thousand eleven, and the second was two thousand twelve, and then or is it the first was two thousand twelve, and the second was two thousand thirteen? It could be you know, it could be one of those. Um, I'll go with two thousand and eleven. Ah, it was 2012. You oh, it. Okay. So yeah, I knew. Oh, I thought you could trick me. Okay. He,
0: yeah, 2012 was when he uh the Heat won. They lost in 2011 to the Dallas Mavericks
1: that year. Oh, that was yeah, that was the yeah. bad year for LeBron. That's the one that people point to why he's not the best yeah. player of all time. I like to yeah,
0: point to that. Le- LeBron won his first championship in 2012 as the member of the Miami Heat. This came as a result of the Heat defeating the Oklahoma City Thunder four games to one. This was James's second season in Miami as they lost the finals the year before to the Dallas mavericks lebron won the finals mvp award after averaging 28.6 points 10.2 rebounds and 7.4 assists in that final series james and the heat would also go on to win the nba finals like you said in 2012 2013
1: season oh i should have got that okay.
0: <laughs> all right next question we're gonna we're gonna dive into a little bit of mma here um let me ask you this so the mma is famous is famously known for its unique shape of the fighting stage the octagon uh-huh. who Who is known for inspiring this initial idea to have the ultimate fighters fight in an octagon-shaped arena? A. Dana White B. Chuck Norris C. Bruce Lee or D. Ken Shamrock I
1: actually know this one, so... Oh, wait, do I? Ah, I think I do. Um... It's definitely not Dana White. That, that would be the that would be the cuz he's the president so you would think, right? He started the whole thing. Um I think Ken Shamrock. <laughs>
0: Oh, Ken Shamrock's really involved in the history of MMA, but no, it was
1: Chuck Norris. <laughs> was it really? <laughs> yeah. I didn't even think, I thought that was just a throwaway. Okay. No, That's it was very interesting. Yeah,
0: Wow. The, the iconic UFC octagon was designed by video and art film director, Jason Kusin in 1993, but it was in the octagon film. It was called, it was called the octagon and Chuck Norris was the star of this film. And so Jason was the director and Jason, Jason Kusin was uh, commissioned to design a suitable fighting surface for the then emerging sport, despite having no prior experience in the world of martial arts. In retrospect, he was perhaps, it was perhaps an unusual choice, but he pulled it off magnificently. And that's how we see the sport, the sport and spot in the octagon today.
1: Isn't that so funny that Chuck Norris was like a meme when we were kids and right? like, and then he's the actual, like the octagon that's <laughs> comes back around. That's funny. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I thought that was really, I, I,
0: I was like, I was looking up some, uh, um mma trivia and i was like that's an awesome question i, I I'm, I'm gonna ask this chuck norris question here.
1: yeah i thought there was no like i thought that was just the throwaway there's no way
0: it was chuck norris. That's okay yeah I, I confuse you a little bit too much because i know kem shamrock is
1: really involved in the history of the sport well that, yeah i figured like oh it's got to be him right and yeah. bruce lee it's like eh. yeah okay next question we're, we're
0: what are we one for three so far uh let's get you some points on the board Conor McGregor came onto the MMA scene in the year 2013. Who was the first opponent he faced? A. Nate Diaz. B. Jose Aldo. C. Chad Mendez. Or D. Marcus Brimage?
1: Easy. D.
0: You got that one. You no fooling you on this one. It's D. Marcus Brimage. Um, uh, he ended up beating Marcus Brimage, obviously in that first match in 2013. McGregor is well known as for a, being a huge commodity for the sport of MMA. But yeah, you, you, there was no sneaking that one by you. No, oh, no, I know, I know his career well. So there go. All right, we're two for four here on Vicious Minute. Question number five with Connor Khabib. I mean, how do you pronounce his last name? I have it written down here. Nurga Madoff. (laughs) Nurga Madoff. Okay, Khabib Nurga Madoff's father. So we talked about his father. He passed away uh, last year uh, due to COVID complications. And when Khabib beat Justin Gaethje, like we mentioned last month, he fought for the first time without his dad watching him. And when he won, he retired from the sport with a lot of emotion behind the decision. Khabib's father dedicated a lot of his life to help train Khabib and support him to become who most believed to be the greatest fighter in UFC history. Khabib's dad even sold three of this animal to help a gym, help open a gym and train Khabib and all kids from their area in Russia or what was the region you said? I think uh, Dagestan is where Dagestan. he's from. So, yeah, that's under Russia control. So, okay. yeah, so like what that. what is the animal that Khabib's father sold to open up a gym? Three of these animals, okay? A, goats, B, dogs, C, pigs or D,
1: bulls that's a really good question i like that um i mean normally you would think dogs right because that's what it would probably be here but you know in dagestan they don't really have like it's pretty underdeveloped so i would imagine like dogs wouldn't be it'd probably be like one of the so goats pigs dogs or what was the other one bulls bulls goats pigs Bulls. See, I'm trying to get very technical here. I'm trying to think what would be like for the you know the winter. Like if it was a food source. um, (laughs) I'll just go with bulls. Oh, you
0: got it. It's bulls. Uh,
1: Nice. Okay.
0: Yeah. uh, I I wrote down Khabib's father's name, and I'm. uh, It's such a hard name to pronounce. Abdul Abdul Manap, something like that.
1: Yeah, I couldn't. I don't know, dude. I couldn't tell you. Could try. I'm sure that's. I'm sure that's right. It's okay. tough though. It's tough with those names. Yeah, it was a great story. I
0: want. I wanted to involve him a little bit here. I thought that was a great question. I like, oh, no, that, that's you, a I like really that. You guys like that. Right? Question. That's really good. I like that. All right, let's dive into the second half here. You got three for five, starting off well here. You're halfway to the best score on the podcast so far. Oh, well, we want you to pass John here, so we're aiming for seven.
1: Yeah. Okay. okay. Let's do it.
0: All right. So you went to college at the University of Redlands. So the city of Redlands where you attended school has an old history. It's one of the older older cities in, in the Southern California area. Um, in the early days of this town, they relied heavily on farming on the, on the farming and exporting of this common fruit. A. Apples B. Grapes C. Avocados or D. Naval Oranges D. You got it, dude. No sneaking this one by you either. Early, no. early, Red, early Red, Redlands citrus groves owners could pay for a house in one year. So this was a very profitable injury, uh, industry at the time. When Redlanders uh, were living on citrus groves, oranges sold for five ninety five a box. A tree gave about 20 boxes. So you could put 90 trees on an acre, and the average person had about 10 acres or 900 trees. You could pay for your
1: house in a year, apparently. So. Oh, crazy! I'll tell really quick. I'll tell you a funny story. Like, well, the reason why I knew that was because there's actual orange groves like all over the campus. Oh, okay. And so, um, it's funny because like when I was a freshman, they 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 would warn. The students like don't go in the orange groves at night because there's like homeless people that like chill in there and like live in there. It's kind of sketchy. <laughs> but yeah, because think like you're out at a party or whatever, maybe you're drinking and you're like walking around campus. And then like kids, like when they're you know, they're drunk, they do stupid stuff and like maybe they go in the orange groves or whatever. And so, yeah, they'd always warn us don't go in there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like that story. That's funny. All right, right four for six Connor, let's go into question number seven. So I was trying to look up some articles to uh, ask you a little bit about some traveling okay. obviously because i know that we talked a lot about that today and okay. ar- so an article i found published back in february 2020 so right before the pandemic hit uh they had some data on uh traveling in 2019 some statistics about 2019 data dra- um, traveling so okay this this article 10 best places to travel on a budget listed four of these five locations as affordable destinations to visit with a budget so these so basically you're looking for places that um in the let me ask you the question can you name which one of these five destinations that i'm going to tell you was not included in this article so you're basically looking for the one that doesn't fit which one of these are which one of these places doesn't fit the affordable budget uh concept here okay okay a fiji b cambodia C London D Portugal or E Australia. Ooh. Uh
1: I would say B Cambodia. Oh, this article didn't have London on there.
0: Is London affordable? Is it is it a good bang for your buck?
1: It's it's really London? Yeah. Wait, so, okay. It was affordable. Like, based on what, though? Like, the overall trip?
0: Yeah. They were talking about, like, basically, they broke it down to daily costs. And London's the cheapest out of those. No, London was the most expensive.
1: So these other ones, these other ones were cheap. Oh, you wanted the most expensive. Oh, yeah. I was going by the cheapest. Oh, no. <laughs> I confused it by the question. No, that's my own fault. Because I, 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 I was thinking like most expensive, but then I was, oh, Cambodia. But you have gotten it? Which you have gotten I, it? Oh, 100%. All right. See, I'll, I'll a give you. All right. I, 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 here, here, I'll give it to you. I,
0: I have a, a bonus. I, I have an option for a bonus on one of my questions. And I, if you get the bonus right, I'll let you, I'll let you uh, get the extra point. So we'll okay. give you an opportunity okay. for an we'll, extra point. We'll
1: see. Thanks. Okay. I okay. can see that those mental lapses, though. People listening, you make <laughs> easy mistakes and you end up not winning. I, I confused you by that question a little bit. I should have asked it a little bit better. My bad.
0: No worries. <laughs> okay, question number eight. In 2019, which one of these five countries were not the common outbo- outbound traveling destinations for Americans? So talking about the uh in an article I found the mm-hmm. uh they listed the most common countries that Americans would travel to outside of America okay okay let me going me give you the options I get will give you five options you can tell me the one that wasn't that wasn't um included in this in this study okay, okay. a Spain B Canada C Mexico D the UK or E Japan Spain, Canada, Mexico, the UK, and Japan.
1: And I want the one where they don't go the most. Where they don't go the most. So Spain, Mexico, Canada, Canada, Japan, and the UK. Oh, that's a really good one. I mean, it's definitely not Mexico or Canada because it's so close. Correct. Spain might be, honestly, Spain could be it. But I, I mean, initially I'm thinking Japan, right? Because that's like the, that's the furthest. But I, maybe even Spain. Um, I don't think it's the UK. So it's either Spain or Japan. Um, I like your logic here. yeah. I, Cause I feel like it could be a trick question, right? I and mean, it could be Spain. I'm just going to go with Japan. Cause that seems the most obvious. <laughs> you had it dude in Spain.
0: Oh. <laughs> 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 yeah. But Japan was the lowest on this list. So Canada, 12.3 million people traveled to in 2019, Mexico, 19.1 million UK, 4.9 million. Japan was 3.4. Dang it. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, you had the logic. You were right there. I mean, you, that was so close. <laughs> All right. So this question, question number nine. If you get it right with me giving you no the none of the options, I'll uh-huh. give it to you. And I think you, you have a chance to do it. Okay. Okay. If you need the options, let me know, and we'll, we'll, and we'll forfeit. We'll yeah, okay. we'll be one point. Okay. Which city in the United <laughs> States was the most popular for Americans to visit domestically in 2019? So, which U.S. city was oh, the most that's, popular?
1: That's a really good one. Um, which city was the most popular? This is like travel to, right? Like they
0: yeah, that they, not, yeah, exactly. Someone they were they're traveling from their hometown to this this city. For like vacation, okay, vacation. Right. Oh man,
1: I mean, obviously, you think right? You think New York City? You think Los Angeles? Um, <laughs> I mean, it's gotta be one of those, right? Do I want the option? This is cool. This is like who wants to be a millionaire kind of? Do I want the options? Do I want to go for two? <laughs> how many do I have, right? I have four or five? You have four, four options. I'll give you four options if you want it. But how many questions do I have? Do I have four, right, or five? You have uh, five, five questions correct so if i know yes or four oh no, you uh you know you we we tricked you on question number seven so with I london four. so you have four so, so i could tie if i you could, I could tie go if, big and tie or i could get five and then i get one more question right and i yeah. can tie there oh wow do i go bigger do i i gotta i think i need the options honestly i gotta i mean it's still gonna be it's probably gonna be la and new york as two of the options but I'll i'll take the options and yeah
0: Okay, okay. So it's it's I'm New it York. Safe. Yeah, obviously it's New York, LA, uh, Miami, and Las Vegas.
1: Oh, Vegas. I wasn't even thinking Vegas. That could honestly be it. That's so hard. It's definitely not Miami. You have to think. Where is everyone in the, ce- the center of the US, the central? Where are they all going to? But then you would think East Coast, they go to LA. Vegas could be... Where do most people go? It's gotta be Vegas. I'll go Vegas. Ah, oh, you had it with New York. It's New York. New York. It's New York. 9.8 9.
0: million people visited New York in 2019. Okay. Uh, Miami was actually second, 5.38. Really? Uh, I thought That's that was our two, yeah. So in 2019, I guess a lot of people were going to Miami. So LA was 4.98 million. Vegas was 3.33 so million. Vegas
1: was the least, interesting. Yeah. I would go personally, i go to like, what's yeah. there to do in it's L-? LA? It's, it's personal preference. It's <laughs> personal preference. Real quick again, another story. You know what I think so funny about LA? Like we grew up in LA basically, mm. right? Like, I don't think it's that like after traveling, especially, I don't think it's that interesting of a place. Like if I was a foreigner to go there.
0: The best part about it is like the amount of options, I would say like the amount of different, like you could, you could go to the mountains one day and then you could go to the beach the other, you know? So that's like, that's what I think is.
1: That's true. My thing is there's not really much to see in my opinion. I mean, there's Disneyland obviously. Right. And like universal studios, which are big, but like, what i'll tell you and which is which what's as funny is you know what people do when they come here because i used to I, I would see people all the time like foreigners like a, a ton of people from asia like the, these like young teenage girls this is what they do they go down freaking like on sunset boulevard and like all these famous streets and they have these famous walls or like stores where on instagram like it's famous for having people take photos in front of it and so that's like the attractions yeah for it's, people it's coming. like the photos, isn't Glam stupid. of it, right? Yeah, it's the glam go, of it. Go, it's like a pink wall outside a store, and there you could you you literally see. I'm not even kidding, Ben. There's like 25 like Asian girls or like whatever they're <laughs> just from, in like, line. standing line taking pictures, and oh like my they're, God. they're walking across the streets and taking pictures here and there, and that's like what they come to do. It's like so weird to me. Like yeah. go to a museum or something, you know? Yeah, culture yourself a little bit, huh? <laughs> <But yeah. laughs> dude, I, dude, you were so close on some of these. Like your first gut was like I, I, correct yeah. on the last three questions. like, like your gut your gut was right i definitely should i definitely should have had seven at least but okay so last question right okay last
0: question so your hometown is burbank california right yep so burbank california is a city 12 miles northwest of downtown la uh-huh. the city is named after its founder david burbank who purchased the lands in 19, 19 um, sorry 1867 he built a ranch house began to raise sheep and grew wheat on the ranch by 1876 the san fernando the san fernando valley became the largest wheat raising area in la county but the droughts of the 1860s and 1870s underlined the need for steady water supplies and the city eventually became a location with lots of industry growth and modern progression david burbank the founder of the city his profession, his profession was what a a politician b a lawyer C, a trolley driver, or D, a dentist? The founder of Burbank, the city of Burbank, what was his profession? A, A politician, a lawyer, a trolley driver, or a dentist?
1: that's a that's tough i mean you would once again you would think politician like right off the bat but then hearing the trolley driver that that seems like another question where you'd be like oh this is probably it even though you wouldn't think it is um so trolley driver dentist politician and what was the other one lawyer lawyer maybe a lawyer though oh man these are good questions i like these they're tough too um I mean, I can't win. I'm, I think I'm at four, right? So I might as well just do a fun answer. I'll go with trolley driver, just because I'm interested.
0: <laughs> Damn, I, I tricked you with the trolley <laughs> driver option. Oh, you got it's, me. It's,
1: yeah, it's D, dentist. Oh, okay. <laughs> so dentist. that was gonna be my second guess, actually. Yeah. Was, I figured it, it couldn't be politician or lawyer. Okay. So yeah, four I, Out of ten, you, hey, you know what? I'm glad. You no, know, dude, you got like you got like five. all basically, like you were half. You got a half on a couple yeah. of. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, like like I said, that's why you gotta you gotta really lock in because I was close on a lot of them. So yeah, that's yeah. good. I'm just glad I didn't get you know zero so yeah I'm happy. respectable performance here on the vicious All minute right, right, I'll, I'll take it I'll take it yeah. thanks I liked it
0: I had a lot of fun Connor did you uh yeah. did you think of anything do you want to do you want to give us any closing thoughts here for the podcast? Closing thoughts anything, um, what about something you want to um do you have anything you want to promote like a social media account or something that you're you're current, currently consuming what have you been watching on TV like what do you want to bring attention to? Oh I could
1: God you're giving me now I have like five things I want to say. Um so i also i'm not gonna get political but i was thinking about this the other day because like it's pretty crazy right now right with like what's covid has been happening we don't know when that's gonna end that's you know hard for people and then like with the election and all that craziness going on i would just say like something i've been struggling with is when you're on social media a lot and this could just be in general too but when you're on social media a lot and you're watching the news right that's just, it's such a microscope of like what's happening in the world. And it's not necessarily, I think people can get hung up on and I can, I've gotten hung up myself on like, you think this is like how it is everywhere in the world, right? Or you think it's like that much worse than it actually is. And I think sometimes you just kind of have to like, get off social media and, and get like, stop watching the news and like, get outside and actually live. Cause it's like, not necessarily like things aren't as bad or like, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? Like it's exactly. not like social media just kind of amplifies like everything that's happening It makes it seem that much worse. And like it's happening everywhere. 100%. And I don't think that's not, necess- I don't think that's the, that's the case. And that's something I learned too, especially with like my traveling and like being on social media more and like how it affects you and your mental and your happiness. Yeah. Um, So that's like my public service announcement Um, real quick too. I'd say like, if I want to recommend anything, I'm really into Korean, Korean TV shows now. Um, I don't know on Netflix. That's like a huge thing. There's a ton of Korean TV shows. So I, if, if you're interested in watching something that's not in English, there's like a ton, a ton of good uh, Korean TV shows. Interesting. Korea is actually like Seoul. If you uh, it's basically LA, but in Asia, it's, it's so similar. It's actually kind of scary how similar it is. Huh. So they have a really, really good, um, uh, it's like their version of Hollywood, right? Like, so the the acting, the singing, the pop culture is really good over there. So I'd say, uh, yeah, recommendation, Korean TV okay. shows. And then as far as like social media goes, um, I mean, I don't really post much anymore, but if you want to follow me on Instagram, uh it's con C O N J and then hancock h-a-n-c-o-c-k and then hopefully i'll start my podcast again if you're looking to travel i'd say go check out the episodes there's i have travel gods yeah, every place i want to what's great so. about
0: your content too with rookie mistakes just to, to close it out i mean you have your your podcasts are uh Cyclical, like you could you, you the reusable, like people, listen, totally. people now can be listening to your podcast two years ago, and they can still relate to the, the topics and the information you're talking about. So that's, yeah, that's, totally. that's a very, that's a very useful part of your podcast, I think.
1: Yeah. And they, I mean, they're still getting like listens today. So I, yeah, I would like everywhere. I went to 10 countries. Um, I did won't say them all, but yeah, Europe, Asia. So, and I did every single city too. I didn't just do the, the countries. I did the cities. So yeah, if you're looking to travel, go check it out. And then rookie mistakes. Start, yeah. Rookie mistakes. It's on all the major, I'm sure wherever Ben's is, I'm sure <laughs> you can find mine too. So wherever you listen to Ben, you could probably find me and uh, yeah, hopefully I start doing it again. We'll see.
0: Yeah, buddy. Awesome podcast. I really ha- enjoyed having you on, man. Thanks for thanks for doing this again, man. It just had a blast catching up with you and uh, let's stay in touch a little bit more often going forward.
1: Definitely. Thanks for having me. All
0: right, buddy. Take care.
1: You too.